Hello and welcome to the One Hope Podcast, where faith and life connect. A podcast done by One Hope Church in Gig Harbor, Washington. Enjoy! Hey, One Hope Church and One Hope Friends, Peter here, continuing our Bible reading podcast as we're nearing the very end of our journey through the Gospel of Mark and uh, during the season of Lent, and we come today to the most significant event of all of human history, uh, the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus. I mean, I guess you could say the resurrection is, is maybe even more significant, but if there's no death of Jesus, there's no resurrection. These two go together, the death and resurrection of Jesus. And and as we just kind of go through this, uh, maybe verses that you've heard many times before, some of you, um, I would just encourage you to maybe try to, as best you can, to try to take a fresh look at these verses and maybe to really ask yourself the question uh, as we read through this, what was going on in the heart and mind of Jesus? I mean, because we know it was going on in the mind, ultimately. We know Jesus knew this was going to happen. He uh, intentionally was heading toward the cross. Um, but reflect to what was going on in his heart because he was fully human. He was experiencing human emotions, the same kinds of emotions that we have, the feelings of rejection, the feelings of humiliation, he experienced all of that. So let's just kind of take a moment and reflect on um, both what was going on in his heart and mind, uh, both as fully God and fully man. Starts in uh, chapter 15, verse 16, says that the soldiers led him away inside the palace um, and uh, verse 17, they clothed him with purple cloth uh, or purple cloth, I'm sorry, and they, and they twisted this crown of thorns and they put it on him, just a mockery, hailing him the king of the Jews. They didn't mean it. They were just mocking him, striking him, uh, kneeling down, pretending to pray, pay homage to him. It was humiliating. Um, and after they mocked him, they stripped him naked of the purple cloth and they put his own clothes back on him and they led him out to crucify him. And, and then interesting little detail, verse 21 says, And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, to, and just notes, kind of aside, that, oh, he's the father of Alexander Rufus, to carry the, his cross. And so apparently Jesus was so beaten down by the torture and um, uh, just all that he gone, had gone through, he was not able to carry the cross anymore. And so they grabbed this guy from the crowd, Simon of Cyrene, uh, which is interesting that they mention his name, but what is even more interesting that they mention the name of his sons, that he's the father of Alexander and Rufus. Now, why would why would that detail be given? And the only possible explanation is that the Gospel of Mark, written 20 years after the fact, written to presumably mainly Christians to strengthen their faith in the events and circumstances and life and times of Jesus, their Messiah, that he, he kind of name drops Alexander Rufus because people who were writing, reading the Gospel of Mark knew who Alexander and Rufus were, that they were apparently 20 years later, when this is written, strong believers in Jesus, probably leaders in the church because they had witnessed the, the crucifixion of Jesus and presumably the resurrected Jesus as well because why? Why would Alexander and Rufus, 20 years later, still be Jesus' followers if Jesus had not truly risen from the dead? Why Why the name drop here? Just another little, that little detail is just another little small uh, extra 
uh, evidence for the validity of the resurrection of Jesus. In verse 22, they, they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. And they, verse 23, they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, which was kind of a sedative, kind of a mercy thing to try to kind of help ease the pain. Jesus didn't take it. He said, I need, I need my clarity right now for what I'm going through. And in verse 24, they crucified him and they divided his garments among them, casting lots for them. The soldiers, these Roman pagan soldiers, gambling for his clothes. How humiliating what that must have felt like for Jesus. I mean, when we picture Jesus on the cross, you know, it's tasteful to place a loincloth over Jesus, but he was was naked on the cross. It was humiliating, his clothes being gambled uh, by these pagan soldiers at the foot of the cross. It was the third hour, verse 25, when they crucified him, and the inscription of the charge against him read, King of the Jews. It was a mockery. They didn't believe he was really the King of the Jews, though he was. And then verse 27, with them they crucified two robbers. And if we continue on, there's just this mockery of the two robbers. They they mock Jesus, including the ones the one uh, criminal who eventually, we know from another gospel account, would actually eventually place his faith and trust in Jesus and say, Jesus, remember me when you come to your kingdom. But at this point, he is mocking Jesus right along with the other criminal, which means something happened between this point when he is mocking Jesus just along with the other criminal and and the point when he actually places his faith in Jesus. Something about the way Jesus carried himself during these hours of suffering converted this criminal to believe that this is the Son of God, which is what we're going to see the Roman centurion about to confess in just a moment. Um, So just to kind of reflect on all that, just what was going on in the heart of Jesus, but now, what was going on in his mind? And that comes out as we continue with the text. Verse 33, And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out, with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And many have noted two things, and I'll just reaffirm it. One, that when he cried out, my God, my God, why why have you forsaken me? I think he felt forsaken. In his humanity, he felt forsaken. He felt the full weight of our sin and and just the brokenness of all of human history laid upon Jesus at the cross, the Father's face turned away. He felt it, but in his mind, in in his place of faith as the Son of God, I, it was a it was a declaration of victory. But what because what he was doing is he was quoting Psalm twenty two, which is Psalm twenty two, is the most um, crystallized. Um, laser beam focus prophecy of the Messiah's suffering that we have in the entire Bible. And it begins with the words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This, Jesus knowing that he was the Messiah and that he would ultimately go to the cross and suffer for all of us, this was a psalm that he had memorized. And he and he was reciting this psalm in his mind as he was seeing the events of Psalm 22 unfold before his very eyes. For he saw, in verse 6, Psalm 22, it says, But I am 
a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me and they wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Boy, when the Pharisees said that to Jesus, do you think he thought about Psalm 22? Yeah, he wasn't discouraged. I think there's a little smirk Jesus had. Yeah, Psalm 22, verse 8, this was going to happen. And when he was just crucified and his bones were being pulled out of joints and he was just quenched for thirst because he was just hanging there for six hours, do you think it was a place where he was just in despair? I think he felt the pain, absolutely felt the pain of human suffering. But he was also quoting Psalm 22, verse 14 and 15. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. As he experienced that, it was not pleasant. He suffered. He went through it. But he also saw this is Psalm 22 being fulfilled right before my eyes and the eyes of all of humanity. And as he was crucified, (laughs) he was thinking of verse 16 of Psalm 22. They have pierced my hands and feet. Hundreds of years before crucifixion as a means of execution was ever invented, these words were spoken. They have pierced my hands and my feet. And then (laughs) verse 18, you think he was, you think he was despairing as he saw his clothes being gambled for by these Roman soldiers. No, he was quoting verse 18 of Psalm 22. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. That was what was going on in the mind of Jesus. And you know what else was going on in the mind of Jesus? The end of Psalm 22. He was he was clinging to the end of Psalm 22, which says this, All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. And then here's the last two verses of Psalm 22. Posterity, that's us, shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. That's us, you and me. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn. That's you and me. That he has done it. He has completed it. He has finished it. And that's what Psalm 22 goes on to say, verse 37, these last verses of our text today. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. What was the loud cry? It was from another gospel account. We know what it is. It was, it is, it is finished. He has done it. He has completed it. And verse 38, and the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. In our Hebrew study, we've been hearing about the, how the temple is a shadow and that curtain in the temple is a shadow of the real thing in heaven. So whatever that means, the curtain literally torn in two in the physical temple where the true barrier that was separating us from God was broken down forever. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you went to the cross for us. You truly suffered. You didn't cheat you, your, your pain was real as a human being. You entered into every aspect of what that suffering meant, just as if you were one of us, because you were one of us, fully and completely. 
And yet, because you are the Son of God, you are God among us. You were able to do what we could not do. You broke the barrier that separated us from the living God so that we could be ushered into real, eternal, everlasting, complete, unending relationship with the Father through Jesus the Son and the power of the Spirit. So we thank you for that. We embrace it by faith in the same way that you had to embrace by faith what you were seeing being fulfilled before your very eyes, Psalm 22 being fulfilled, and now you are seated at the right hand of the Father. Your faith has become sight. May ours be as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.